I want you to turn with me where I've been uh, using for a springboard for quite some time. I want to thank Pastor Rob for preaching last Sunday. Did a tremendous job. I, uh, we got to listen to it online. I don't usually do that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm usually not looking that way. And uh, so it, it was very refreshing to be able to do that. And uh, in John 15 and verse 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We've talked about this before, but I want to I go back to it, revisit it a little bit. I can't get out of these portions of scriptures right here. It's, just, it's like that's where we live and uh, where God wants us to live. And he's trying to, God's trying to get uh, something across to us, and, and we're, not, we're not completely getting it. And I, I hope we, we are able to, to uh, start understanding what God's trying to say to us because abiding, living, dwelling um, is a is a much greater concept than what we're we're grabbing hold of, you know. I don't I don't just visit Sister Betty on the weekends. I dwell with her, I live with her, you know, and um, it's it's not it's not just something where we uh, we we share a house. Um, we we it's it's much more than that. It's a covenant relationship, and when we understand dwelling with God to dwell in the vine, we, our concept has, has been somewhat skewed because uh, we have, we've relegated relationship to God to, to, um, to uh, visits at church. And I love coming to church. I love, I love the, the worship together. But I got to tell you something. God, God isn't satisfied with that. He wants, he wants to be able to visit with you all the time. He wants to be in communion with you all the time. He wants us to learn how to dwell in him, to dwell in the vine, and, uh, and for our minds to dwell in the vine. Amen. And some things you need to avoid in order to dwell in him. Amen. Praise God. Especially things that you know is going to take you away uh, from dwelling in him. And when, when we look at this, to understand that without, he said, without me, you can do nothing. Just a, just a uh, straight statement. I want you to bear much fruit. If you abide in me and I in you, you'll, you'll uh, bear much fruit. And, but without me, you can do nothing. If, if we really get a concept of that phrase, without me, you can do nothing. We, we do so much as the body of Christ that's man-capable. And we don't understand, you know, that it's, it's all good stuff. But what God's wanting us to get to is where we learn to have a normal relationship with God outside of what's man-capable. To be, able to, to, to be able to live in his presence where things happen that you're not capable of doing and for that to be your normal existence. Wow. That, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, we, we call it supernatural. God calls it my nature. Amen. 
when we can start understanding that it is not supernatural, but the residence that we have in him, we are citizens of heaven, God wants us to grab hold of the concept that this is now my nature because I have been receiving his nature. And everything we're talking about bearing fruit, I've been trying to get to Galatians chapter 5 for weeks now, and I can't get there. But when we, when we get there, we'll understand Galatians chapter 5 is just a description of the nature of heaven dwelling in carnal humanity and exhibiting itself it's, it's a colony of heaven on earth. We've been talking about that, a colony of heaven on earth, which means that, that heaven has, has uh, moved and is now being exhibited in our atmosphere. Amen. The atmosphere of heaven becoming exhibited in our atmosphere. When we were praying there after, after Sister Val and Angie and, and, and uh, when, when they were talking about... Um, you know, praying for the elders and and that they still, you know, the, they, they can still pray. Grandma Huff, when she was, uh, I forget how old she was, but she couldn't, she couldn't even remember her name. She's the, the lady that started this church oh, close to 100 years ago in a log cabin across the road over here, uh, just started a Sunday school. And uh, Grandma Huff, she couldn't remember her name. She didn't know who her family was. She didn't, she didn't know who anybody was. But if you said, Grandma, pray, she would begin to articulate perfectly from her spirit, and she could pray the most awesome prayers without missing anything. All of a sudden, she was completely there. You, know, you hear what I'm talking about? Yeah, she, she, she would ask, you know, Olita, her daughter, took care of her all the time, and she didn't know who she was most of the time, you know, and, and she, just, she just couldn't remember anything. And sometimes she would be sitting there, and, and I would say, Grandma, testify. Well, she didn't know who she was, and she couldn't hear, and she'd say, what did he say? real loud and Olita would say he wants you to testify she would stand up and begin to glorify the Lord and testify and never miss anything I mean she would just begin to glorify God and talk about how amazing he was and and but she couldn't tell you who she was why because the spirit in her did not have inabilities Amen. The older I get, the more I say, Holy Spirit, take control. <laughs> Amen. As abiding in him, learning to abide in him, I don't think we've got there yet. Matter of fact, I don't think we, we understand it. You know, I believe it was Dr. Moody, Moody that, that said, uh, we have yet to see what God can do through a person fully yielded to him. And I don't think we understand what that word fully yielded is. And what I want to talk about today, very, very hard subject to talk about because we, it, we have a hard time understanding what humility is. You know, several years ago in, uh, in Virginia, I preached at a, a, a church in Virginia, 
pre, a very big church, and was honored to, to get to preach there. And I preached on humility. And after the service, the pastor came to me and he said, son, you, do, do you realize that once you start preaching on humility, you can't be humble? And I said, no, I didn't realize that. And he said, he said you can't talk about humility unless, because as soon as you start talking about it, you're no longer humble. And that just really stuck with me. I thought, what? And now I come to, come to find out that was the normal consensus of, of what humility meant. It, mean, it meant that you have to become nothing and can't be anything, can't do anything. And to be totally humble, you become invisible. That is not what humility is. Humility is powerful people in the presence of God not needing accolades for what happened. Amen. <laughs> That's what humility is. And we, and we need to grab hold of it. We need to grasp it because the Word of God teaches it, and we're going we're gonna to talk about it. All right? In uh, James chapter 4 and verse 6, Holy Spirit started this with me uh, last week. And uh, started talking to me about it. And then last Wednesday, during the prayer, I mean, we had, a, we had a moment where the presence of God became so strong and so intense. And he gave me some things to say that literally, I was literally shaking trying to, trying to say it. And because of what I felt, I, I literally felt the heart of God. And, you know, let, a week ago, Friday and Saturday, we were on vacation just trying to take some time off. And about Friday, I began to be troubled in my spirit, just, just really troubled. And when I get troubled, Sister Betty knows because I get real quiet. And uh, all day Friday, I was just real troubled. I got up on Saturday morning, and I couldn't hardly function. I literally felt like crying all day long, just weeping in my spirit. And which is really strange for me because sometimes I think I'm having an emotional breakdown and my eyes glisten a little bit. You know, I, I just don't cry like most people do. And, uh, you know, Sister Betty, I mean, she's got tears running down her face all the time. She is so compassionate, so feeling. And, and I feel things, but I feel fixing it. My compassion is shown in fixing problems, not feeling bad about them, you know. If something's wrong, okay, let's fix this thing. Praise God. And thank God I have a wife that can sit there and, and hug and pat and, you know, and she can console while I'm, while I'm fixing this thing, you know. Let, let's take care of it. And, um, but I, all day Saturday, I felt broken, just literally broke. I didn't know what was wrong. I couldn't figure it out. I had to just get off by myself a lot that day and, and just pray and just saying, God, what is going on? You know, what is happening? That was the day that the, the march happened in, in Washington, D.C. And that's the day that uh, President Trump announced the uh, nominee for the Supreme Court. And all of that, there were so many things that were taking place on that day. It was a, a dynamic day in so many ways that, that I don't think we understood what really happened. Matter of fact, Holy Spirit spoke very powerfully, and he said, there has been a transfer. There has been a transfer. And a lot of us would jump up and down and say, whoa, glory, there's been a transfer of power. 
But you got to understand, when God transfers power and his presence becomes that intense, we have to submit and yield to that presence in order to carry it. You understand what I'm saying? And this is what the Holy Spirit told me. And it was with shaking that I, that I shared this. He said, he said, even on Saturday, the pride and arrogance grieved me. I didn't even watch, I didn't watch the march. I knew it was taking place. I tried to stay off all that stuff. But I, I knew it was taking place, but I didn't watch it online, didn't watch anything about it. But what he spoke to me, he said, even on Saturday, the pride and arrogance grieved my heart. And I thought, but God, we were, we were marching and praying and we were declaring your name. But what I felt God saying was, I don't want arrogance declaring my name. I might as well just go ahead and say it. God said this to me. He said, when you step forward in my name, in pride and arrogance, I see you no different than the abortionist. That was hard to take. I thought, I thought to myself, well, God, we can't feel good about anything. You know, we can't march forward. And he said, yes. And this, this is where we've got to learn the difference between the strength of God and humility. Humility is the strength of God. But when we, how do I, how do I even say this? When we get up and talk about our gifts, we are actually taking ownership. You see what I'm talking about? And I'm not against gifts. I'm not, I mean, we got to learn how to walk in them and exercise in them. But let me, let me walk through this minefield here. Operating in the gifts of God and advertising your gifts are two different things. We've grown up in an era where in order to be successful in the body of Christ, you had to advertise your greatness. You had to advertise that millions, you know, thousands of people are being healed in my meetings. And God tolerates that to a certain degree. But it causes death. It causes destruction. Man, I'm treading in dangerous territory here. Hard territory. I was praying here, here a while back. I, I've gotten, I've been, I've been here for years this church. Matter of fact, I was, I was born again at about 16 years old, right, right over there. 
gave my life to the Lord. God called me to preach. I have been here for years. I've, I've walked through everything that this church has ever walked through. I've walked with every pastor that's ever been here. And, and I've walked through this, and this church has been here a long time and had a lot of amazing things happen. And every time somebody asks me where my church is, I try to explain it to them, and they don't know where it's at. I have to say, do you know where Shooter's Complex is? <laughs> yes, we're right across the street. Oh, that building that sits up on that hill? Yeah, yeah that's us. Yeah, that's us. And that just, that burns me, you know. Not because, you know, I want everybody to know who I am, but we've been here a long time, been doing this thing a long time, and people don't even know where the, where the building is, where the church is. And here all back, I just got really, uh, it's been a couple of years ago, I just got really kind of fed up with that because I was trying to explain to some people where the church was, and they couldn't get it. I, you know, they knew where Shooters was. I kept saying, it's right across the street, just turn left, and then take another left, and it's right on top of the hill. I've never seen that church. I've lived here all my life. I didn't even know that church was there. And I thought, good Lord, do you need healing, blindness? You know, is your, you, you can't see beyond your nose? What is wrong with you? you? To me, it shines like a beacon of light on this hill. I mean, it's got, it's got a steeple sticking way up in the air that's lit up. What kind of neon lights we have put on that thing? And I got frustrated with that, you know, because I was wanting to see, see the church develop. I was wanting to see growth. I want to see people saved. I want to see all this thing happen. And I was in here praying one day, and, and I would, actually I was thinking let God take part in it. <laughs> Big difference. Big difference. I, I, I was letting God hear, you know, he, he was part of the meeting. And I was, I was thinking, I, and, and I said out loud, I said, I need, I, need to start, I need to start promoting. I need to get some billboards. I need to do something. We, we, need to, we need to start promoting. And Holy Spirit spoke to me just like that. And he said, just give it to me. Let me build it. But God, they don't even know where it's at. <laughs> you, feel like, you realize how insulting that is. You know, I was, I was telling God to be somewhere this many years and nobody even know where you're at. You know, that's insulting. God said, just, just give it to me. Let me do it. Let me build it. You know? I, I think we got one of the greatest worship teams on the face of the earth, but God, God says, don't, don't promote that. Don't advertise that. You understand what I'm, what I'm saying? You know? Some, somehow, I mean, this, this goes completely against everything that we do today and everything we think is successful and everything we, we think works and, and stuff. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just wanting to lay down on the platform right now and hide you know, because I don't want to preach this. Um, I've, I've been noticing this lately, and, and God's been bringing my attention to it. I, I used to love watching this one minister on, on TV and loved his, his messages. And, and I just started getting this, this 
filling in the pit of my stomach every time I watch it. And I, I got to realizing, I got to listening, and and their worship team, not not trying to down them or anything, but their worship team was was, you know, it was almost like, yeah, we're that good. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, son. And and it was grieving to me. Because I, I thought, man, they're as fake as, as a three dollar bill. They're, they're, they're talking about God. They're, they're getting excited about God, but it was fake. They was putting it on. It wasn't coming from their spirits. And then it, then it was talking about, and now the most powerful message from pastor so-and-so. And that's every time. It's powerful message, powerful message. And I think, he, I think he does preach powerful message. I love his preaching. But you understand what I'm talking about? Holy Spirit began to get a hold of my heart and it began to cause me to start looking at what it is that we see as successful. What, it, what is it that we see as attractive? What attracts us? I never shared this with Sister Val, and she sung all the songs we needed today. I mean, what is it that we're attracted to? Is, is, it, is it his presence, or, or is it the entertainment quality of what we're going to see and the show and and all this kind of stuff and and you know and if you get in the circles of of well-known pastors they will always talk about the entertainment value of their services because that's what it takes to get people to come back next week because if your entertainment value isn't enough there's another church out doing you just down the street, and everybody will run to that church. And you see what I'm talking about, man? I would somebody else please come and preach this message. We, I, we don't want entertainment value in the church, and yet we want the glory of God so powerful that we don't want to leave. We want passionate singing and passionate flag waving and passionate dancing and passion why because of the presence of god not because we're trying to put on a show to get people to come back next week but because we come in and we can't help it because we love him so much that we just want to worship we want to praise him we want to do our best I want to do my best preaching the word, but not because I want to attract somebody, but because I got a heavenly father that deserves everything I've got and he deserves my best and I will not withhold from him. I want to see people saved because my Lord and Savior deserves his blood to be honored. I want to see people healed because Jesus deserves it. Pastor Rob preached this probably 20 years ago that he deserves people to be healed because he shed his blood. I want to see people healed because he deserves it. Not because it makes us look better than the church down the street. Lord, help us. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm walking a tight rope today. Because I want you to understand, we're not gonna we're not gonna just become 
worthless little people that can't do anything to be humble. We're, we're going to become men and women of God that are able to take down kingdoms. But we don't do it because we want to pound on our chest and let people see our greatness. We do it because we, won't, we, we, we know him. He just simply asks us to do it. There's only one reason that I preach the gospel, and it's because he asked me to. That's it. I have no other reason but the fact that Father God said, will you, will you preach my word? And I said, yes, I will. Wow. James chapter 4. Verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now listen, God's not telling us to go around being sad sacks all the time. I'm kind of tired of that in the church. Everybody's sad and depressed. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, stop rejoicing your greatness. Stop exhibiting yourself. Stop, stop looking at how great you are, how much you can do, what, what we can do here, what we can do there, and, and humble yourselves beneath the mighty hand of God. Make yourself lowly beneath the mighty hand of God. You know, I'm just going to say this, and we need, to, we need to grab hold of it. I hope you can grab hold of it. I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan. I'm not in the President Trump fan club. I'm not, I don't worship him. I don't idolize him. And there's a lot of people that's getting on the verge of idolizing. He's not King Trump. He is a servant. He's servant Trump. Okay? And God, this transfer has taken place. God's going to demand certain things. And I just want you to keep your eye on, on Vice President Pence. Not because I think he's going to take Donald Trump's place, but because behind the scenes, Donald Trump, or uh, Mike Pence, has been the humble servant, calling this nation to prayer and to humble ourselves. Amen. If you want to see where the power is in this administration, Donald Trump is the prize fighter that's out there throwing the blows, and, and he has to do that. I understand that. But Mike Pence, behind the scenes, is the strength. He is the spiritual strength 
What is, what's taking place in this nation right now, he is the spiritual strength. He's like the lightning rod of heaven that is pulling down the presence of God and that's making the changes. I just want to tell you that today because he is a servant of God and he has humbled himself. He is, he is a man that is humbled and he is the one that is bringing the stability to this 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 war that we're seeing and President Trump is going to have to walk a tightrope of the difference between fighting for this country and exalting himself and it's going to be a tightrope and he's going to have to learn to walk it. I kind of think that's what's happening in Walter Reed right now. Like I said, I didn't get up here to be popular. We, when, we, when, when God says, I'm going to move in your midst, that doesn't mean we jump up and stick our chest out. It means we fall down and hide our face. We fall down in his presence and say, God, you are only worthy. You are only worthy. Amen. Humility before God is not weakness. Humility before God is not this lowly little thing that talks about how bad you are and how you don't have anything, and that's false humility. That is ridiculous. Humility before God is when somebody tells you, man, I really appreciate what you did. You can simply just look at them and say, well, thank you. Thank you. Amen. When I tell you that you did something good, don't give me this stuff of, well, it wasn't me, it was God. I know it was God, you ain't that good. <laughs> don't, don't put out that junk. God doesn't want you to take a whip and start beating yourself on the back. That's not humility. Humility is just being able to say thank you and then giving God praise for all that he's doing and realizing without him, I can do nothing. I have no abilities aside from him. I think that's why God loves to call people that have nothing and then do everything through them. Matter of fact, when I see people with potential, Sometimes I run the other way because that potential is going to be their downfall. I'm not meaning that in a bad way that you're not supposed to have potential, but I'm saying if if we understand, if if we if we if if we got talents and God's given us talents, but God means more to us than our talents, then you're gonna make it. But if your talents is everything to you, you're going to fall flat on your face. Amen. Because God will trip you. Amen. You get to strutting around too much, God will just stick his foot out and just trip you. Amen. And then when you get up, he'll wipe the mud off your face and talk to you about what, what happened. Amen. Uh, would somebody else please preach this? 
Uh, you know, it's hard, it's hard for us. Even Apostle John, who Jesus loved, if you don't believe that, read the book of John. John never mentioned his name, but he sure enough let everybody know that he was the disciple Jesus loved more than Peter or Thomas. Or all through the book of John, I just, I, I get a little smile on my face every time I read that, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I mean, it's almost like he, he had shirts made up, you know, and, and wore his shirt around, I'm the disciple Jesus loved. And it, it even got to the point, it was... There, it was to this point that when Mary came and told him that the tomb was empty, Peter and John left, and John could not pass up the opportunity to put in a book that would be read by all history that I won. I outran Peter, and I got there first. Come on, somebody. I mean, just read it. We both left at the same time. But I outran. That other disciple outran Peter. And I got there first, and I was the first one to look in. And then Slowpoke caught up. <laughs> and not to be outdone, John was standing at the entrance of the tomb looking in, Peter was late getting there because he couldn't run as fast as John. And so Peter just barged through the door. He went further than John did. You, you understand what I'm talking about here? See, we, we, we battle this stuff all the time. It's human nature. But we have to watch human nature. Because you don't need to one-up everybody. Amen. Us men, we're probably worse at that than anything. We got stories. We're always one-upping each other. Well, that happened to me one time, and I didn't just break my leg. I broke, I broke five ribs and a leg and, and my little finger. Huh? Amen. Come on. Oh, that hurt, did it? <laughs> yeah. I'm the world's worst. I got more stories than you can, you, you can't keep up with my stories. Amen. If it's been crashed, I've crashed it. And probably flipped it five more times than you did. If you fell from 12 feet, I fell from 20, and that's the truth, so... Live with it. Come on, so you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you women aren't, you don't get left out. You, you, it's your kids you guys brag about. And grandkids. Well, my son, well, my daughter, my, amen. man, it's getting quiet in here. <laughs> Woo! I'm just trying to point out human nature. See, this is the fight. We fight this all the time. And, and to preach on humility, if we're not careful, we leave us with the attitude that, man, I, you know, I just, I just can't be nothing. I can't be anything. Or, I, you know, I can't talk about anything. Well, yeah, we can talk about it just how we talk about it. 
If we give glory and honor to God, then yes, let's talk about it. Amen. I want to see people lined up in front of this church talking about how God healed them. Amen. I don't want to be the one standing here saying, and I healed this person, and, and come on, talk, tell them what I did. I healed that person and because that's what it gets into. Come on. Let's, but we've got we've to lift up the name of Jesus. We've got to give glory and honor to God. But we've got to get to the point where it's not important to us who gets the credit. Amen. You know what I'd, you know what I'd love to do? I'm, I'm just going to share. Amen. Don't, don't crawl inside this head because it's, it's a dangerous place. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you that I, that I think about a lot. It's what Damon Salisbury says. He says, I, I, I tried to get inside the pastor's head one time, and it was a scary place. He said, I jumped right back out. <laughs> but I think about this a lot. I would love to, I would love to sneak attack people with, with healing and then watch them. Come on, somebody. Like John, John G. Lake one time, he was in, I think it was South Africa, and there was a famine, people were hungry, they were dying. And you gotta understand, different cultures do things differently. We here in America, we're, we're just now beginning to see the cruelty of humanity. Most of the time, you know, we, we've, we've had pretty much a family, you know, love each other atmosphere. But now we're seeing, during, during, the, during the pandemic, Moms was actually dumping their children off in desert places with backpacks. Little, little, little four and five year old kids found walking along the side of the road because their parents had dumped them out with a backpack with some water and some food in it because it's too much trouble to take care of them. We're just now starting to see that stuff in America. But in other parts of the world, it is common practice. And this little boy that was crippled, John G. Lake was up on this hillside and he was praying. This is the kind of stuff I love. He was up on this hillside praying and he saw this mother coming with this child and this little, little it was a little boy and he was crippled. His legs were crippled. She brought him out in the woods and sit him on a rock and put some water and food beside him then turned around and took off running. She was abandoning him there because she couldn't take care of him because they were, it was a famine. There was, there was no food, and, and she couldn't take care of him, so she was abandoning him, him there. And John G. Lake watched this happen. He got up and snuck around where that little boy was, prayed for him in the name of Jesus, and God healed that little boy's legs. And a little boy jumped up and took off running after his mama, hollering, mama, mama, mama. And his mom turned around, and there he come running, perfectly healed. And she picked him up, and she looked all around. She kept looking at him, and, and Brother Lake hid behind a tree so that she couldn't see who did it. I love that stuff. Amen. You talk about secret Santa? I want to pass out stuff like that to people. 
Amen. <laughs> Sneak in a hospital, clear out a whole floor, and nobody know who done it. You'd really want people not to know who done it because they take that stuff very serious. Amen. They will put you in jail. <laughs> you don't rob their money. <laughs> Come on. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, I'm talking about greatness that doesn't need to be exalted. I hope I'm getting this across. In, in James where it says that uh, humble yourself, in verse 10 it says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. In the Amplified Bible, it, it means to make, you, make yourself very insignificant. And then it turns it around, and this is, this is where we've got to get a hold of this thing, to make ourselves very insignificant. And then it turns around and says, and he will lift you up and make your lives significant. It's like, you know, if you don't understand this thing, it's hard, to, it's hard to put your mind around it. We make ourselves insignificant. And then when we do that, then God takes us, raises us up, lifts us up to be seen and makes us, our lives, significant. Wow. In other words, God wants you to be significant, but he wants you to be significant in him, not in you, because he knows you will make a mess. You will be competitive. You will, become, will, will, will be self-exalted and begin to exalt yourself over others. One of the reasons of the great healing revivals in the 50s and early 60s, the reason they stopped is because of the competition that, it, that entered into them. We have the greatest, the largest tent. We have the most miracles. We have this and we have that. But the, you got to understand, that's what we want. We want to attach ourselves to the best. Amen. As a pastor, I know this is true. If you will sell a false image of success, people will flock to that false image of success. Amen. Thank God none of you do, do that because... <laughs> You're here. <laughs> I'm not, I ain't got nobody in this place to talk about that. But several years ago, I opted out. I've talked about this, that I began to realize in order to be successful as a church and as a pastor in the day we were living, I would need to build this image 
and promote the image, sell the image, keep selling the image, and keep promoting the image, and keep this image alive, whether it was true or not, and everybody that worked in this church would have to be, would have to buy into the image and help promote the image. And if we would do that, we would be successful. People would flock here, and it would all be great and wonderful, except for the fact that it's a lie and it's fake. And when you get behind the scenes, you realize that it's like a theater. You go to a theater and all the bright lights and that outfits, and it all looks great and wonderful. You go in that theater, after, after the show is over, the lights are off, the place is dirty, it's filthy, nothing looks as good as it does with the lights on it. And a lot of the outfits they wear don't even look that good because the lights aren't shining on them. I've actually been behind the scenes before and noticed that some of them glittery coats were filthy. But in the lights, you couldn't see it. See, God's not wanting filthy glitter. God's wanting the glory of his presence to shine in such a way that it causes people to realize that he is present. We don't want to fake people out and make them think God's present. We want them to experience him. Amen. Praise God. Well, we don't, it's, it's like the little lady at the well. She took off, left there running, saying, I just met somebody. I just met somebody that knew everything, and, and she told all the people, and the people all ran out there, and then they all had this witness. When now we know him and we accept him, not because of your word, but we experience him for ourselves. Wow, what a powerful word. God wants to make you significant. You need, matter of fact, that is, that is one of the greatest struggles in ministry and in church is significance. People need to feel significant. And a lot of times we, we go about that in a way that causes us to be demoted instead of promoted. We try to, we try to push ourselves into a place of significance and it always ends up causing problems. But the Bible says if you'll humble yourself, then I will exalt you. I'm at the age now and been in this thing long enough to, to realize that, that when the spotlight gets on you, a lot of people think that'd be great, but when, atten when, when attention comes upon you, so does scrutiny. And so you better be ready for the scrutiny. If, if God's going to put you in the light, you better, be, you better be lowly of heart or you're going to be offended all the time. Amen. <laughs> Because offense usually comes out of pride. And if you feel like you deserve this or you feel like you're good at something and somebody, somebody disqualifies you with their words, you're going to be offended. But if you already agree with them, it's going to be like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If it wasn't for God, yeah, hey, I'm with you on that one. 
People's always, people's always asking me, what do you know? You know, it's like a Missouri greeting. What do you know? I've got to place anymore where I say, not enough. Now, when I, was, when I was 20, I was the smartest, sharpest knife in the, in the bunch. All you had to do is ask me, and I'd let you know that. But when you, get to, when you get to be my age and been through as much as I have, you're thinking, man, I wish I'd applied myself more when I was younger because <laughs> it's a whole lot harder now. My neuroplasticity uh, is, more, is more like stretching leather now than rubber. Anyway, amen. I know y'all thought I'd come back from vacation with some yippity-yip, hallelujah, victorious living word, but this is what God sent me back with. And what God sent me back with was there is something that has happened. There is a transfer that has taken place. And we're, we are entering into a glory. Wow. We are entering into a glory that we have not experienced to this point. And what God is saying was, you're not going to survive if you can't humble yourself. And I'm saying this to this church because we've got to be ready. We've got to have ourselves ready. I don't, I don't want a bunch of people going around talking about how worthless they are and can't do anything. That's not what we want. We want, we want soldiers, we want people that are mighty in God, that are able to do exploits, but yet don't care if they get the credit for it or not. Don't care, but we're always pointing to Jesus. Oh, thank God, we worship you, Lord. We give you praise and honor, Father. You are amazing. You are amazing, Father God. In Philippians 4.13, Paul said a strange thing. He, he was talking about being abased and all the things that he'd been through, and he said, I've, I've learned. I've learned to be content. No matter what's going on in my life, I've learned to be content. What was he saying? He said, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I deserve anything, don't feel like God owes me anything, don't feel like anybody owes me anything. I'm content. But then he said something that every one of us need to get in our heart. He said, but you know what? I know how to be abased. I know how to be lowly. But I also know this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, if we could just have a lot of soldiers that, that are able to say, say, man, without God, I, I can't do anything. Oh, you let the Holy Spirit move through me and I can do anything. Amen. I had this wild dream last night. And I don't norm, normally talk about dreams unless they're very significant. I had this wild dream last night. And we were in this church. 
this building. But there was walls missing. And there was construction stuff all over the place, cement blocks, and, and, and we were having to try to get around all this stuff. It was a mess. I mean, the, the place was a mess. It didn't look like we were enlarging. I didn't know what was going on because it didn't look like we, we were enlarging, but there was building materials everywhere. And we were having to get around this. And every corner, everywhere I went, there was somebody doing something and, and teaching. And, and I, I walked out in the entryway here. And for whatever reason, that thing was bigger. And I walked out in this entryway. And, and there, was, there was somebody out there teaching. And people were getting ready to do something. I didn't know what I was doing, but they were being instructed how to do it. And I walked over here. Everywhere I went, there was instruction taking place and people were being activated. And, and But we were having to move around all the building material. And everything. It was just a mess. I don't like messes. And, and it was just a mess. You know, if a, if a, if a storage closet gets too full around here or something, I open it up, you know, it just goes all over me. And and so I I, I take some of our pit, I take Sister Tammy and show it to her. I know it'll I know that closet will get cleaned out because she can't stand it still. <laughs> She's gonna unload that thing. But what God was showing me, I believe what that dream was about. And the neat thing was I wasn't the one, I was just walking around observing all this going on. But people are being activated. People are being taught. And I walked down. I walked down this way, and there was a whole bunch of people standing there with towels on their arms, and they was getting ready to be baptized. And and they they were in there talking to them. They was getting ready for them to be baptized. I mean, all this was going on all at the same time. And I thought, God, what are you what are you trying to tell me? When I got up this morning, I thought, what are you trying to tell me? And I think what God was trying to tell me is, I want my body to start working and functioning and being activated, and I want people to be able to be who they're supposed to be without all the competition and fighting that goes on. Some of the greatest moves of God I've been in as a pastor, I spent the whole time breaking up fights behind the scenes. People fighting over positions and fighting over money and fighting over this and fighting over that, fighting over prayer meetings. I broke up a lot of fights in prayer meetings where we're supposed to be praying to God and they got in a fight over whether they're going to listen to music or not. Got some man, some of them stormed out. what God's telling us is I need something different this time. Amen. I feel like I did a terrible job preaching this message. I'm wanting to preach it all over again and have a redo, but I can't do that. Holy Spirit's going to do the rest. He's going to talk to us. He's going to help us understand. Father, I thank you for the glory of the Lord that's coming, that is, that is here.
God, that you would love us enough to visit us in a time of trouble and turmoil like this. God, we humble ourselves. Not to do nothing, but we humble ourselves, Lord, that you can take us in your hands. And do your works in our lives, Father. Accomplish your work. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 